Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2018. And let's see, today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 30. We're going to be studying paragraph 2. That's exciting. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Virginia S., the 12 Traditions, Sheila B. Reading the text today is Mary H. and Peggy M. And newcomer greeter will be Melanie C. at the end of the meeting today. So stay tuned for that. The reference numbers, those are your share ID numbers for getting access to these meetings once they're recorded and archived. For yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, which would be February 21st, Thursday, I'm sorry, Wednesday, is 11077. 11077. And then for the meeting that happened this morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, that would be Thursday, the 22nd of February, that share ID is 11 zero eight zero one one zero eight zero the oa preamble overeaters anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively there are no dues or fees for members we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Virginia S. to please read the 12 steps. Star one, Virginia, to be heard. Sounds like a little technical difficulty there, Virginia. Sylvia, are you? Is it possible that you can read if I can't get Virginia cleared? Sylvia F. Yes. Thank you so much. Hi, this is, of course. I. This is the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Okay. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives were unmanageable. Two, came to a belief that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except for when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for a knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the, this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you very much, Sylvia F. I will now ask Sheil B. to please read the 12 traditions. Yes, Sheil. good morning. Okay. Uh, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA, excuse me, OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, 
a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the food addict or compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Shilby. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 30, paragraph 2, starts with, we learned that we had to fully concede. And just those four lines on that single paragraph we'll be sharing and unpacking today. I will ask Mary H. to begin our meeting by sharing and reading on that paragraph. Hey, good morning, Mary. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning. This is Mary H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently may be has to be smashed. Yeah, that's. I see why we're, we're focusing on just that one paragraph. What an important part of my recovery was to fully concede. And that it took a while. I fought that one for a long time. I just, my disease, whatever you want to call it, was, uh, was not willing to concede to that. It did not want to go away. I, I couldn't believe how much negotiating I did to not fully concede. I would think of all sorts of things why... Uh, someday I would be able to eat. Or reasons like, you know, if I was in some foreign country and I was surrounded by people that were trying to kill me and I had my last meal, you know, certainly then I would eat whatever I wanted to eat. Or it's my, I was really stuck on this one, that I wanted to be able to share a beer and a big meal with my daughter on her 21st birthday. And no one was going to take that away from me. And, you know, I'm thinking about that, and she's only 13 years old at the time. And I'm thinking, why is my thinking so skewed? I just, I can't believe how hard I'm trying to hold on to this 
thing about being able to eat at no matter what. So I remember, you know, this feels like this is the price of admission to this world of freedom. I have to really look at, so why am I holding on to this? Well, because I'm sick and I have a sick brain. And remember my guide would say, you know, when I would whine and, you know, really be grieving over giving up certain foods, she would say, you know what? You give that up and you're you're that much closer to God. And I thought, well, that's nice for an enlightened person, but I just that, you know, what? What? I wasn't there. I was still grieving over letting go. And what really helped, because I've held on to that thought that letting go of my food brings me closer to God, but that certainly took a lot of work and working through the steps. But I held on to that. And how, how I did was listening to people on this line, making phone calls every day to people who were recovered and who had crossed that bridge of reason and did that leap of faith, and they were on the other side, and they wanted to stay there. There wasn't any food that was better than what they were feeling on the other side, and I had to hear that every day because I wasn't there. And it was painful, and smashing that delusion that I couldn't, whatever I wanted to eat, whenever I wanted to eat it, um, that was a difficult process. So I think that's all I will share today. Thank you so much for letting me be of service, and I pass. Thank you very much, Mary, for opening us up that way. Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. Page 30, paragraph 2 is our focused discussion today. Who would like to comment on that paragraph? Ginger. Amanda. Polly Q. Sharon S. Chevy K. Amanda. Wendy M. Chevy K. Okay, let's see what I have here. I have about five so far. Ginger C, Polly Q, Sharon, Chevy K, and Wendy M. Who else? Amanda. Amanda. Okay, hi, Amanda. Anybody else? Uh, Melanie, that was Shannon S., not Sharon. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good. Okay, let's go with that then. I have Ginger C, Polly Q, Shannon S, Chevy K, Wendy M, and Amanda B. Okay, good morning, Ginger. Good morning, Melanie. Thanks for your service. This is Ginger C, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And um, just love this. You know, we're on the first step in this paragraph, and it is. It's a powerful powerful paragraph. Um, You know, the only step that we need to take perfectly 100% is this one, fully conceding to our innermost selves that, yes, I'm a real compulsive overeater, and without a divine help, I am never going to be able to put that fork down. So, you know, for me, many years in OA, I just wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it and be in OA. The pain was bad, but I never, ever took this step fully. My sponsor would tell me over and over, ginger, sugar is skull and crossbones is poison. You cannot have it. It's bad. It's really bad. But I didn't permeate that into my psyche the way that I finally thank God for every bite that I had to take because that's what convinced me. You know, so if you don't really know or you're teeter-tottering, I, you know, you might need to keep eating because it's the food that finally convinced me. It was every bite I had to take. And I know Bill's story completely because of my sugar addiction, not because of my alcoholism. So I'm glad for every bite I had because that research is what really is going to convince you that, yes, you are one of us. And without this divine spirit, again, without God's help, you will never get out of this disease. And it will progress. And again, like we read in the paragraph before, some people die over it, you know, and that's the sad reality of it. So you know, I hope today's pain is enough for you to convince you to that you are screwed without this help and that you get into the action because that's the only thing that's going to save you are these 12 steps, following it precisely, working it like your hair's on fire, 
and then letting God in, you know, but if you're eating, God can't come in. The first and foremost, you have the entire abstinence. You have to say goodbye completely to the food. And that's a really hard place for all of us. We have a grieving period with that, but it's where it has to begin. Because again, anything that you're putting before God, you're blocking God and God can't do the work that God wants to do for you. God has great plans for you. You know, we as addicts, we're so all about self-destruction. It's amazing how many days I just kill myself. And this God's crying while I'm doing this because God has such great plans for us if we allow God to do the work. So I pray that you do it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ginger C. Polly Q, you're next. And then Shannon, you'll follow. Hi, this is Polly Q in Northern California. Can I be heard? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, moderator, for your service. Um, I'm a year, uh, year and a half recovered, and um, I came in at year 17 in OA. Uh, I came in because of these, um, because I was finally ready to smash, to smash the idea. I mean, smash is a big word there, you know. That's, that, that, they don't use these words by accident in the big book. You know, the delusion that we are like other people are presently maybe, including the other people that I see in the rooms, you know, of OA. I I finally had to say, you know, I'm not like them because I'm not going to, and I I don't want to be because most of them aren't recovered. And I finally had to say, neither am I. Neither am I. And I had, and and you know, I wrote next to this paragraph countless vain attempts to prove I can live with active addiction, because that's what it is. I'm an addict, without it driving me to complete insanity, and back to my addiction. And that was it. You know, I had I had done all the tools. I had I had been to 50 million meetings. I had been doing it for years, and finally I had to say, you know, I'm an addict. I'm an addict, and I better start to listen to people that are recovered. And it is the number one obstacle I, have to, I, 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 I run into in sponsoring. The number one is that, and I get it, I totally get it, that people want to be able to keep on doing what they're doing. And this time, because they're reading this or they're reading that, um, now it will be different. No, no, it won't be. It really is. I have to finally be ready to concede, to surrender to my innermost self that I I am a hopeless addict and I'm going to die of this disease if I do not completely surrender and work this book exactly as instructed. Thank you for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Paula Q. Shannon S., you're next, and Chevy, you'll be right after. Good morning. This is Shannon S., a recovered compulsive reader and anorexic in New York. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Thanks, everybody, for being on the line. Um, what came up for me when reading that short um, paragraph that's so packed with everything is that, you know, I am really good at um, trying to dodge um, conceding to my innermost self. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of perfected the art of um, denial and running away, whether it's running away from myself, running, trying to run away from the food, trying to run away from difficult relationships or circumstances. But the thing is, is that the faster and the farther that I run away, um, the more that I'm digging myself a hole and I'm falling into it and I'm becoming swallowed by the abyss of the, the darkness. Um, and um, like some other people have shared, you know, it took me a long time in program to um, really figure out what my innermost or who my innermost self was and then to actually concede to it. That was a whole different ballgame because, you know, what are you talking about? Me, Shannon, like I actually am like the rest of the world or like the rest of this fellowship, you know, just because I came into program and um, I was a normal body size and I wasn't talking about or feeling some of the same things that these other individuals were. So, like, I had a real big chip on my shoulder and a huge ego thinking, well, I'm not as bad as these guys, you know. I was, like, patronizing them and feeling sorry for them. And you know what? Like, they didn't need my pity any more than I needed their pity or I needed, um, you know, like a hole in the head or 
where it talks about in uh, there's a solution, you know, um, banging my head with a hammer to get rid of the headache. Like I was just reinforcing all that junk inside myself. And so it took me many years in program to um, to actually be open enough for God to reveal what my innermost self was and then for me to concede to it was a whole other matter. And I had to go out and do more of that research. Um, and I'm very grateful today that I can concede. So therefore, all that garbage can be smashed. And with all of that, I come out of the darkness, I'm in the light, and then there's freedom. But until um, I, all that stuff gets out and gets uh, from under the rock, then I'm still in bondage and I'm still controlled by this disease. So I'm very grateful that by the grace of God today, by um, the grace of this program, the people who have come before and all my fellows, that um, I'm in the light today, and that is freedom. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Shannon S. Chevy K, you're next, and then Wendy will follow. Good morning, Chevy. Hi, good morning. This is Chevy K. Can I be heard? Mm-hmm. Hi, good morning. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling in New Jersey. Thank you, Melanie, for your service, and thank you, everyone on the line, for your uh, daily encouragement and inspiration. So what really resonated with, in, with me in this paragraph was that we had to concede to our innermost selves. And, um, yeah, the hardest thing for me was getting honest. I was around the honesty and admitting I was powerless over food and that I did not eat like normal people do. Um, the massive quantities of food I was able to consume was shocking compared to others who could eat any one of my binge foods in tiny portions. Um, but in getting honest and taking that first step in admitting to my addiction, I really feel it paved the way for all the steps that followed. Um, and it was as though the, my higher power, God, took my hand and simply said to me, Chevy, just get honest and I'll help you with the rest. And I'm so thankful for this program of honesty and truths because every day I truly feel like I discover more truths about myself and my behaviors. And whether the truth is, whether the truth is microscopic or it's huge. Um, either way, it's all part of the road to recovery on a daily basis. And the honesty and truths around recovery are so liberating and freeing. Uh, so, yeah, higher power takes my hand and says, just get honest, put forth the effort, and I will help with the rest. Um, and I just wanted to express that I feel on a daily basis I'm in partnership with my higher power now. And the more honest I'm willing to be with who I am, um, my character defects, um, with what I put in my mouth, um, my food addiction, my addictive eating behaviors, then the more my higher power will lead me and guide me. Um, this has truly been my experience, and it hasn't been easy, and there are days that are really difficult, um, that are more difficult to connect with higher power, and there are days where it just kind of flows. Um, there are issues that I revisit all the time and that I really am working on. I want to say it's a process, um, but this beautiful process has started with me getting honest, and it's been an incredible gift, and I just wanted to share that. And thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Chevy. Wendy M., you're next, and then Amanda will be after Wendy. Uh, yes, good morning, Wendy M., recovered in Boulder, Colorado. Thank you, God, for the absence I had this morning and Melanie and all of you on the line for your service. Um, and I have to first say that, like, I haven't been sharing in a while because I'm waiting for the perfect share. I'm waiting for perfection. So if I'm perfect, um, then I'll be loved. If I'm perfect, I'll be accepted. I, oh, my God. I just need to get on the line and be a part of. That's kind of what this is telling me. And the word concede does mean surrender, give up unconditionally. And it's kind of an admission after fighting. Conceding is like after I've been fighting. And um, it took me 15, 16 years to get this. Um, and I don't even have it. You know what I mean? I just have step one. And it says here, fully concede to our innermost self. So this is not a thinking program, right? So this isn't about me thinking about conceding. It's grokking it, right? It's my experience. And as somebody else said, the only way I get to step one and fully concede is when I've been in the food and in such a desperate state that I finally say, 
I not only get in my mind that I'm a compulsive overeater, but I get it like throughout my body, spiritually, emotionally, physically. I know I am. I know I am. We've learned this. this. Um, and actually, my worst eating, quite frankly, is when I said I was um, abstinent and I was, um, you know, in OA. That was my worst eating. And the, 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 the eating just got worse and worse and worse. Um, then it says this delusion has to be smashed. I'm delusional, not just my physical body, right, and my memory. Oh, yeah, right, I'm an overeater. But um, this is a body and mental problem, and it's so helpful to not only remember that I have a bodily problem, but I also have, you know, the disease centers in my mind. And, um, and when I remember that I'm sick, and I kind of joke about it, but it's true, like my mental, my thinking is sick, that's when I get the freedom. That's when I'm reminded of the good news. The good news is I'm sick bodily and mentally. That's fabulous news. If I don't think that, I'm going to walk around acting as if I'm okay. And I got to tell you something. I, um, you know, I have quote a, a normal body weight, healthy body weight, whatever that means. And when I, I can go to, I got this. My body looks fine. I, I've licked this problem. You know, my delusion can come up at any time, at any time. And I also have to say that I was away for a couple of weeks, and it's so easy to lose this program. It is so easy to not work it, you know, and when I'm working it, program of action, not thinking, I'm good to go. And when I'm not working it, I can slip away so quickly. I just, it's so easy to forget that I am sick bodily and mentally. And that's why I call you guys so that you say when you're sick and thank God I am. It gives me freedom. All right. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Wendy M. Page 30, paragraph 2, is our focus discussion today in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous for us compulsive overeaters. Amanda B., you're next, and then after your share, we're going to open it up for a few more to share. Amanda B. Penny C. We're going to have Amanda B. first. (laughs) I must not have been real clear. Sorry about that. Um, We're going to open it up after Amanda B. talks. I was just giving you page number. Sorry about that confusion. Amanda B., you're next. Star one. Hello, this is Amanda B. Can I be heard now? Mm-hmm. Great. Hi, this is Amanda B. Um, you know, this this um, passage we're reading, to me, it's just really about, there's nothing to be shameful about, but I am not the same. And I realize I am not the same when um, everybody over eight at a table and I'd walk away feeling like I wanted to kill myself, and they'd walk away saying they're full or they ate too much. Um, you know, it was just a really different experience for somebody like me, and it was terrible. You know, nobody nobody walked away from that table saying I want to kill myself. They said I had too much Thanksgiving pie. Um, well, I feel so grateful. And, you know, I spent 13 years in programs before I could concede in my innermost self. Um, I didn't want to believe that I was telling this, but just writing out my own story, looking at the things that I did, just came to me, I am different from other people. In my mind, I see things that sabotage me. Amanda, excuse me just a second. I want to get the full effect of your share, but we're not hearing you. Somehow it's kind of just muffled. Oh, can you hear me now? That's better. Yes. Thank you so much for the adjustment. Yeah, no problem. So what I was saying is that I am not like other people. And, I, you know, this delusion needs to be smashed. I'm believing in an illusion. And when I look at my own story, without shame, I just see factually, I am different than other people. Other people don't run up and down the stairs in the middle of the night to, weigh the, um, to work off calories or any of this crazy stuff. And when I really get this, like, in my bones then I know that I can do something else. But until I really believed it, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to. I looked around and I felt superior and what am I doing here? But I knew that life out there was just way worse. Um, And I have to say my time in program was definitely um, the worst time when I wasn't believing step one but still sitting around the rooms. Um, So I feel very grateful for this passage. The illusion, the belief that's not true needs to be smashed. Um, So thank you so much. That was very helpful to hear. 
Thank you very much. And I will open it up for um, about five more people to share. I did hear Penny C. I did hear Margaret D. Arlene H. Debbie M. Ashley P. Debbie M. I got you, Debbie. Katie A. Katie A. Arlene. I got you, Arlene. Thanks. Let's uh, go with, yeah, you're welcome. Let's go with that. It may be more than we can manage. We have Penny C., Margaret D., Arlene, Marin, Debbie, Ashley, and Katie. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. It's so nice. I'm sorry for jumping in before. Uh, my name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive old reader in the Boston area. This paragraph reminds me of a very, very wise woman who, you know, has gone to God, who um, was so well known in, in, in this area of the country. She was one of the first people to bring OA to the East Coast. And her one of the things, many things that she said resonate with me, and I, I quote today, but one of the things I this paragraph reminds me of is she used to say, I needed every experience I ever had to get me where I am today. And I needed every experience I ever had to get me to the point where I could really believe and admit to myself to God and to a sponsor that I was a real compulsive overeater. You know, who wants to, the book tells us, nobody wants to admit that they have these shortcomings or or um, what I used to think of as a character defect. And thank God, OA taught me that it wasn't a character defect. It was I, I had I had a disease and I just needed to treat it as such. And I wasn't a bad person. I wasn't a lazy person. So by the time I got to OA, when I was 47 years old, I had I had experienced all the, these things it talks about, you know, and, and as a lecturer in the in the National Weight Loss Diet Club. Um, you know, I, I thought I had become like everyone else. I was in a thin body, very thin, um, too thin actually, to the point where doctors told me that if I didn't start eating more and and my blood didn't look better, they were going to, you know, actually do a bone marrow test on me. That That scared me. But OA taught me that... We have this disease, and step one is so powerful that I need to just admit that I'm powerless over certain foods. And it came easy to me right from my first meeting, but as I tell people, I paid my dues before that. It It wasn't that I was different from other people. It's that I had already experienced all the the hardships and the the um, humiliations and failed attempts to be like other people. So um, this first step and then, of course, followed by the second, third, and all the other steps has led me to a life that I never, never could have imagined. And with that, thank you. I'll pass. Thank you very much, Penny C. Margaret D., you're next, and then Arlene, you'll come after Margaret. Thank you. May I be heard? Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome, awesome. Um, welcome to the newcomers, always, first and foremost. My name is Margaret D., and I um, am very grateful to be a recovered compulsive eater, in, um, and I'm in Georgia. I've heard um, definitions of concede and surrender, and because I'm a compulsive eater of the of the real sort. I've had to go to different sources, um, many different sources to get certain ideas through my head. I'm sorry, my dog is chatting along here with me. Um, But the best example I ever heard of the difference between conceding and the importance of it, of the importance of conceding to our innermost selves was that back in 1914 or whenever World War I started, um, the Germans 
set out to literally conquer the world. And in that war, there was like perhaps maybe 37 million people that were killed. It may have been like either 1% or 2% of the world's population. And they would have gone on until um, they had, you know, completely subdued everything and everybody. But um, the Americans came in and um, helped settle that. They helped win the war. So then, okay, the Germans laid down their weapons. They surrendered. They said, I won't fight anymore. But they did not concede to their innermost innermost selves that they were not going to fight. And so 26 years later, World War II begins, started by exactly the same set of people with exactly the same mindset. And this, to me, is the difference between conceding to my innermost self versus surrendering. Surrendering can be a momentary thing to get out of a tight spot. I mean, I've done that many, many times. I'm a compulsive eater. Um, But when I concede to my innermost self, there's no doubt about the truth. There is absolutely no doubt. So in World War II, almost 80 million people died. And um, the same thing had to happen, that a power greater than themselves had to come down and say, this is not going to work. Um, and I guess the last thing that I want to say is I need other people to remind me of my concession because my brain keeps saying it's not true and it didn't happen. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret D. Arlene, you're next. And would you give me the first initial of your last name? H. And the Mar- Hi, thank you so much. You're next. And the Moran, you'll, care- you'll pa- follow Arlene. My name is Arlene. I'm a compulsive overeater in recovery. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for having a meeting. Um, I agree. Uh, Conceding and surrendering and uh, all these different words that we use, they're very, very necessary. And to our innermost selves, that means for me to understand and to accept and to take action and to um, actually appreciate the fact that I do have this disease and in recovery I can care for myself. Um, The delusion that we are like other people has to be smashed or presently may be. That means to me that I'm not like other people when I'm lost in my food. And you know what? In recovery, I'm still not like other people who are not in recovery. In re- I'm not like the um, the walking norm of people. I have a disease, and I am like the people who have this disease presently, before, And also after, I mean, at all times. Because what happens to me is I I do well uh, at achieving my goals. And um, my goal initially is to get out of the food, to get out of the fog, to to get out of trouble, to get out of pain. And once I'm out of trouble, once I'm out of pain, there comes the presently maybe. Then I think, well, maybe I'm okay now. But you see, that is the part that needs to be smashed. I am okay now, tis true, because with God's help, with God's grace, I'm out of the food. You see, this is an honest desire. Uh, the tradition three used to be who, whoever has an honest desire to be sober, an honest desire to not eat compulsively. And that word was taken out because when we first come in, when we first enter the rooms, maybe we're not as honest as we could be. It's when the fog clears, when everything clears, when we're finally out of the food, when we finally have our senses 
that then we need to concede to our innermost self. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Arlene H. Marin K., you're next, and then Debbie, you'll follow. Hi, Marin K. from Los Angeles. Thank you for, uh, for moderating the meeting and for everybody who shared. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. I love this uh, part about um, we had to fully concede our innermost selves that we were uh, alcoholic, overeaters, whatever. I'm a bulimic anorexic. I was 60 pounds once. I, I threw up 10 times a day. I'm also a hardcore overeater. Um, and I've been in OA for 23 years, and I love these meetings because I have been in OA and I have acted out. My bottom line is no purging, but I have done a lot of compulsive overeating that has been very uh, detrimental to my abstinence. And I have, I do have to concede to my innermost self every day, daily, 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 that I am not normal. I know I'm not normal for other reasons, but I know I'm not normal with the food. And I am presently dealing with eating disorder issues, uh, overeating issues, um, things to do with my abstinence that I'm not able to do. And I'm thinking maybe I'm a newcomer again. Um, I go to OA meetings and I don't see a lot of recovery. Um, I, uh, when I, 23 years ago, went into a coma-like state from throwing up in starving and overeating, I knew I had hit bottom, so I did take action, and and I got hospitalized. But um, I've always had to work the big book and the steps. It's in the steps. It's in the big book. That is where you find God. And I know there's only two things left for me, death or insanity, if I don't work a program of recovery. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Marin Kay. Debbie M., you're next, and then Ashley, you get ready. You'll be after Debbie. Hi, um, this is Debbie M. Can you hear me okay? Sure. Debbie M., um, recovered compulsive reader from Indiana. Thank you, Melanie, for your service and everybody who um, helps make this meeting happen. I'm so grateful for it and grateful for all the shares. Um, so I just fully can see that I wasn't a normal eater. Um, I think I was actually born with this disease of compulsive overeating. Um, so, but I think what I couldn't fully concede was that I had to give up Milky Way bars and cookies and brownies and cheesecakes for the rest of my life. Um, I mean, what kind of hellish life was that going to be? Um, but I had to be brought to a point in my life where I realized that I was already living a hellish life. Um, at some point, it, it became unbearable the way I was living. I was living in a, a self-imposed prison. Um, I had everything to live for, a wonderful family and um, many blessings in my life, but I wasn't really living. I was just existing, um, and I, I had to do something. I had been to OA before, um, but like I said, I, I just, I knew what the implication meant about putting down my alcoholic foods, and I just, I wasn't ready to do that. Um, I had been delusional, you know, in my life, thinking that um, I could find some easier, softer way. I had tried every other way, and so this was the place I had to come back to, and God spoke to me and said, you know, go to a meeting, get a sponsor, and work the steps. So how did I fully concede? I had to take action. I had to put down the food for 48 hours um, and get a recovered sponsor to help me because I cannot do this alone. I needed a sponsor and I needed God. And I worked these steps like my hair was on fire, meaning I did it quickly. Um, and I did it straight from the big book. There wasn't writing to do. It's, the directions are there and they're clear. Um, I mean, yeah, there's some writing during the fourth step, but it's very concise. Fourth step takes two or three hours to do, and I recovered in three weeks. And um, I had to identify what my bench shoes were and put them down and realize that the hell I was living was worth putting those bench shoes down for. Um, 
And the doctor's opinion was about understanding the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind. And where did that take me into recovery, beautiful recovery? Today I got on the scale, and since October 15th, since I've recovered, I have lost 42 pounds. I have sponsored other people's recovery, and I live a life that is beyond my wildest dreams. And if I can do it, you can do it without a pass. Thank you, Debbie M. Ashley P., you're next. And Katie A., you'll follow Ashley Ashley, Ashley with our last share. Hi, Ashley. Sorry about that. Hi. Uh, hi, this is Ashley P., recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard? Yes. Yeah. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, good morning, Melanie. Thanks for your service. Um, and welcome to the newcomers. I'm really, really loving the shares today. Uh, and, and as we're reading this, I'm really grateful that we're saying the word insanity and talking about what that insanity looks like. Um, and it makes me think about uh, around three years ago, I was in eating disorder treatment um, in Southern California. And um, I left that treatment center just completely, completely insane um, and really trying to take back all of my control. Um, I need to follow a meal plan um, and uh, I also need to be in the book and, and working the steps, but I, I left that treatment center feeling um, more depressed and, and more suicidal than I had in, in a very long time. And then transferring those feelings and, and saying, I don't, um, I don't need to do step work. I don't need to be in program. Um, and I don't need to look at the food that I'm eating. And, and basically that my eating disorder didn't have anything to do with my depression or my anxiety. And, um, as, as I, as I left a lot of the things that I had learned um, the depression and anxiety just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And um, actually the way that I came back into the rooms this time was not really, it was a little bit, uh, 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 I wasn't directly looking at my eating disorder. I was looking at my lack of sleep and my anxiety. And uh, a doctor suggested to me that I stopped binging as, as a way of helping sleep. And I thought if I, if I could do that, um, uh, I, I would have done that. Um, but that's, that's what got me to come back into the rooms. Um, and uh, I say all of that because if any of those are feelings or emotions that, that a newcomer is experiencing, um, uh, while, um, while still in the food, um, I, I want to say that there is hope and there is hope from doing this work and, um, and working steps. And the other thing that occurred to me is that, um, the, the line that we had to admit to our innermost selves that, uh, we were real alcoholics. Oh, <laughs> um, that can be accomplished through step work. Um, all right, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Mel. Thank you, Ashley P. Katie A., you'll be our last share today, and we have two minutes for you. Um, hi, I'm Katie, Katie A. Can, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Two minutes for you, madam. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm a newcomer. Um, I have been identifying with um, uh, the shares that my... Um, friend has been telling me she's a newcomer as well. She's been about a month. And so uh, she uh, recommended for me to uh, just phone in on, on a meeting. And so um, I've been in a couple of 12-step programs. And so this is a very new, um, a new <laughs> dysfunctional behavior that I'm finding out about myself. So I'm still um, tr trying to, to understand um that I might need help for for this. Um, I, uh, I I tend to uh, control what I'm eating. I I don't I don't know if I've ever I don't under I don't believe that I've ever really become an extreme as far as um I've never been 
diagnosed to be anorexic or, or um, you know, I'm not um, obese, but I am um, understanding that I have always had a problem with food. Um, and I've never really looked at it. So uh, this paragraph that we started or that we've been focusing on today, it's, uh, you know, I've been trying to get in touch with who I really am, you know, that um, here it's, it describes that as the innermost self. Um, and I think that uh, this control over whether I'm under eating or overeating um, has probably been in the way of me truly being connected with my higher power. And I, I, I don't, th- I, I don't believe I've seen this. So, um, before. And so I, I'm just really glad to have done this uh, meeting and I really want to thank you all um, for your shares. That That's all I'll pass. Thank you very much, Katie A. And that is the last share that we have today on our discussion on paragraph two, page 30. And uh, just for you to know that right after we're finished with our serenity prayer, The recording has been stopped. We're not finished with our meeting. We do have an opportunity for newcomers to come on the line to give their telephone numbers for contact and for sponsors so that we can get your contact and some announcements. So stay with us for that. But for now, we will close this recorded portion by reading in the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Peggy M., would you please read page 164 for us? Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in the morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.